three, two, one, and welcome back to the SBH podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk about fishing for monster striped bass with topwater plugs. And it's something that I've had a lot of success with in the past few months, really, just catching some of the biggest fish of my season coming on topwater plugs and all the different things that I've learned and what, what's gone wrong and what I uh, am going to be changing and, and, uh, because it's funny because I've done other podcasts on topwater uh, plugs and I've never been as successful as I am now with topwater fishing. But um, the evolution of uh, my topwater fishing has been interesting and how the gears evolved has also been fairly, fairly interesting. So right now I really have my, my go-to topwater plug setups here. I mean, I got my rod, my reel, my line, everything that I'm 99.9% of the time using for topwater fishing. Uh, and the other, you know, 1% <laughs> or 10% um, is uh, going to be variating the rods just a little bit. And, uh, but pretty much this is what I'm running as far as when I'm running topwater plugs. And uh, I fish a lot of different topwater plugs. And I also fish Danny plugs a lot. I fish uh, needlefish. I like, there's a lot of other lures, but I'm talking about like the, my hardcore, like things that I, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to topwater fish, it's spooks and pencils. Uh, those are the two like main things. Everything else I kind of fall under a subsurface, you know, like just under the surface of the water category, which I think Danny plugs kind of fall under for me. Um, even though, yeah, they're on the surface and you can see the bass eat them when they eat it, but, uh, it's, just under the surface enough sometimes that uh, I'm going to call it not technically a topwater plug. And then needlefish is something that I don't fish as much. And so I'm going to really talk about what I would fish. And also I fish them at night, so it doesn't kind of make sense to put it in this. But these are like daytime topwater plugs that I use primarily. And I know there's other like chugging topwater style, like Polaris popper style plugs, which I actually really love fishing, but really I'm talking about plugs I'm catching trophy bass on, and I'm talking about bass well into 40 inches and well into almost, in well, well into 40 pounds as well. So let's really get into it. Um, and I want to just talk about the plugs that I use. And um, I'm obviously sponsored by Pumba Plugs, and um, I fish mostly Pumba Plugs, but before I ever really fished Pumba Plugs, um, I fished many other spooks, and I found that spooks are very productive plugs, but there's always something that made me angry about spooks, and that was that they dive under the surface of the water. Uh, and when you're working them, if you mess up working them, and the great thing about Pumba plugs is they don't dive under the surface in their Pumba Magnum walkers. It doesn't dive under the surface, and it also has good casting because it is a wooden plug. Uh, and so it, all of those factors really, to me, make it one of the best like spooks that I've ever used. Um, cause I've, I've used a handful of spooks and honestly, it's gotta be the best spook I've ever used. Uh, and it catches monster fish. I've had bass up to 27 inches on it this year, uh, which is what mid 40 pound fish. Uh, and so I've had multiple 30 pounders that like the, the reality of, the, of this is the spooks catch monster fish and that's such a cool thing. And they, I, I mean, I, I talk a lot with Joe, the guy who builds these plugs, and um, I fish much bigger tackle than most people do um, and put fight my fish a lot harder than most people do. So I have to end up bumping up the gear on the plugs, but all of his plugs come out, come with uh, 
4x strong vmc hooks in which 90 percent of the time are not going to get bent out i still have 4x strong hooks on my pencil uh, i've caught many big fish on that and um but i'm starting to you know you what you got to do is you got to test and through trial and error see what works best you put inline singles on stuff you have travels on other stuff and through that evolution of fishing well, you'll come out the other end with the best product And the crazy thing about fishing, not the crazy thing, but something that definitely happens is, uh, the evolutionary, well, the evolution of, uh, the gear and the hooks and, uh, each year hooks come out and they're better and better. And, um, I've used a lot of different hooks. Um, I really like VMC. VMCs are solid quality hooks. I also really like owner owner comes, has a bunch of really, really strong hooks and I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. These are like almost small tuna grade hooks. Um, they're close to it at least. Um, and I have stinger hooks on that, like inline stinger hooks on that, on the, uh, the other Magnum Walker and both I've caught fish with. And uh, I just recently put on the inline singles. I've been fishing the trebles for a while now. Um, and I've, I've landed the 47 incher with these travels, um, this exact plug. And this plug is really beaten up, but I've had this now for two years. Um, it's one of the first Magnum Walkers I've ever gotten. And I've got more fish on this plug than, well, I mean, I've probably, I've caught more bass that have been huge on this plug. I've beaten this thing off rocks. And there's only a few nicks and scratches on this plug. Uh, but, you know, it builds character. The thing still catches fish and I still throw it. Um, and this plug has caught so many monster bass. It's caught multiple 30 pounders, it's caught multiple 40 pounders. But uh, I, I, I think that a lot of fishing with topwater plugs is, you, know, you can fish them every, everywhere, but I fish a lot off the rocks and um, I need big heavy gear off the rocks. And that's why I'm using such big treble hooks because I'm fishing with my drag maxed out all the time. That's how I fish um, and when when you're fishing with your drag maxed out like this uh you bend hooks and i have one time i was fishing um this is a few weeks ago or well not a few weeks before i switched but yeah so i was fishing earlier in the season and i uh got into a school of big fish i had one bass eat the plug and bend my uh i think i actually had a 6x strong vmc on it straight and it bent it straight out um, and I lost that fish, but luckily and fortunately I was able to get an even bigger fish next cast. It was even, it was probably, it was an even bigger 30 pound bass and that was really cool, but you don't, the less fish that you lose, the better, obviously. And so to increase the ability of you not losing fish, you need to kind of mess around with the hardware on your plugs a little bit. And I've loved these owner hooks because not only are these stronger than my VMCs, the shape of the hook makes it much more difficult for a bass once it gets hooked to become then unhooked. And uh, that's really big for me because I've lost, I've dropped way too many fish this season. Um, and uh, where like, you know, I hook into a bass, it's shaking, it's thrashing, it goes into a run, it spit in my hook, either pulls or it spits the hook or whatever. Um, I've had that happen twice to me in the last two days uh, and one on that pencil right there, which I will get to pencil popping. but. I really started off the year with spooks and spooks primarily uh, for those larger fish. And uh, I wanna talk about structure and structure for bigger fish. Um, 
what I really found is the best structure for topwater fishing, especially for big striped bass, is when you have a, a rocky cliff that drops off into deep, deep water, and there's big boulders that, and when I'm talking about big boulders, I'm talking about giant house-sized boulders that are coming up closer to the surface and creating disturbance. Um, and if you can find that on a, in a, like the beginning of a cove or off of a point or off of a really like flat wall, something that's just gonna grab those fish and like put them into that scenario where they, they get locked onto that structure, that's what's gonna hold those bigger fish. And so in, in one spot that I'm fishing in particular, there's submerged boulders that are a little further out. And what I'm doing is I'm casting my plug onto these, you know, on top of where these boulders are. And it's probably 50 feet deep, but they're, they're humongous boulders and um, what's happening is that's a good enough structure that the bass are sitting on top of that or on the sides of that. And when this giant spook on these flat calm days is walking back and forth, these guys see it from miles away, not really, but they see it and they come flying up. And it's crazy the culling power of a spook and the culling power of a spook is the fact that it can literally get a bass that is deep in the water to see it and come swim sometimes multiple feet you know it probably swim it could swim up to 10 15 feet deep all the way up to eat the plug and that's what's extraordinary uh that that fish is gonna see this and be so attracted to it that it needs to come from so far down in the water all the way up and eat the plug and that's something that i don't even think pencils have i think spooks are very uh you know it's a very specific way of fishing but i do think that uh, if you can find that structure where, you know, there's big bass and they're down deep, the one thing that's going to really get them up and out of that deep water is going to be the pen, or is going to be the pencil, is going to be the spook. And, uh, a magnum walker is a bigger spook, uh, it has, you can work it in many different ways. Uh, and I found multiple different ways that they've been eating it. Um, I've done everything from you know, casting out there and just doing a normal zigzaggy all the way in, you know, connecting each um, each turn of the plug as it's coming in to then uh, having it where you have the plug you cast out there, lands in the water, you go pop, stop, pop, pop. And it's not pop, but it's like you're sweeping your rod a little bit and the thing kind of turns and swims and then turns and swims. And it looks like, a, like an injured bunker, you know, turning on the surface. And I've talked about that. If you've ever snagged bunker and you've hooked them through the lip or whatever, when they're injured, they go right up to the surface. And when they're getting scared, they look exactly like a spook on the surface. Uh, and that's why those bass just can't handle it when they see this thing going across the surface. If it looks like an injured bunker, they're going to come up and whack that or pogey or, or Atlantic menhaden, whatever you want to call it. This is what the bass are in my area feeding on primarily. So something yellow over white is super clutch and really key to getting those big fish to come up and eat it. Um, and it just looks so much like a bunker on the surface doing that, that twitch, twitch, but you can do it, do it super slowly where it's literally hopping to one side and then to the other. If the bass are being super slow, super sluggish and finicky. Uh, but then if that's not working and the bass are just following it and they're, you, you see them swirling on it, but they're not really eating it then what you can do then is you can do something that there's different levels to this, 
but you can start really thrashing it where you have the plug kind of hop out of the water and splash and thrash and kind of jump out of the water and you rip it a little bit and what it does is it catches the water and it's thrashing and it's just creating this disturbance on the surface but you're reeling it pretty fast and i'm i'm reeling it and i'm thrashing it like that so it's still kind of working but it's just smashing around on the surface and it looks like a distraught bait fish you know and the, the bass come up and smash that and i've had bass up to 40 pounds leap out of the water behind a plug that's doing that and then if you want to take it one step further you're working the plug and the bass is just not you know it's following it but it's not really going after it and eating it reel it straight across the surface of the water as fast as you can and that thing will just skip right across the surface of the water and the bass i'm kid you not this is how i caught my biggest bass uh of the season on on top water literally wasn't paying attention thought i had seaweed on the plug was reeling as fast as i could the plug is no joke skipping across the surface of the water 40 pound bass boof eats it gone and uh that sometimes they want it really aggressively worked and when the when there's a lot of bunker around they really and the bass are deep and they're aggressive you work the plug really hard and aggressively they're going to see that and they're going to really get that's going to get them like frothed up and going for it and that's really cool especially if you can get bass with competition now uh this is a whole other like part to topwater fishing but it's so important to i mean you can rise single fish but it's important if the bass is in a school, and most of the time, at least where I've been catching them, these big fish have been in schools, so it has that competition factor, and that's what makes them even more aggressive. And if you can get that competition factor down, it's kind of lights out fishing because those bass will pack attack and eat it because they want to get that meal before their friend does, and that is super, super important. Um, and now we can kind of talk a little bit about um, the inline single game versus the, the trebles. Trebles kill, like they kill fish straight up. I've killed bass because the treble hooks get them under the gills and it, it's just nasty. So after killing a slot size fish with, with a magnum walker with the trebles on it, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I only take fish that um, are going to die or have already died. Um, but I, uh, I don't want to kill these fish so how do I make it easier on the bass and something that I've been against a lot is fishing single hooks on topwater plugs I just think that the hookup ratio is far worse now I haven't used this a lot granted because we haven't had since I put these on I've only had one day where I could I was able to use this and they weren't feeding on spooks they wanted the pencil and that's sometimes how it is but um I did catch one fish on this it was small 25 incher it hit it probably 15 times not really, but it hit it probably five times, like legitimately hit it five times. And uh, it finally got hooked by the, the tail. Now, could have been because it's a small fish, also could have been because it was hitting the plug a bunch of times and it was just missing the hooks. Now that's something you kind of have to deal with. But the pro to this is number one, it's stronger than any treble hook you can get. And number two, once, this, once a big fish gets hooked by this, it's not gonna be unhooked. You know, like once a single hook gets penetrates into a bass there is such a like keep tension on that like that's all the fish is going to get and that treble hook is going to keep it or that treble that um barb rather is going to keep the fish pinned no matter if it's hooked on this one or it's hooked on this one it's going to stay pinned with these a lot better than it is on treble hooks and that's just a fact so there's there's payoffs to fishing with singles versus trebles i need to do more experimenting with the uh 
trebles versus singles, but I've done super well to call these bigger fish, and I hope that when I have a shot at a really large fish, these hooks are gonna not fail me in the senses, the sense of like if I get one bass hit it three or four times, uh, would I've, I hooked it with treble hooks and at least had a shot at the fish versus hooking it with singles and not having a shot at the, or not hooking a fish on with the single hooks and not having a shot on it. Now, for all I know, the fish could just inhale the plug and you'll get hooked, you'll hook him. But sometimes they're being finicky and they kind of swipe at it. And when they're swiping at it, you're not going to hook them with singles. You probably your best bet is with the treble, but you also might kill the fish. Now, there's so many different factors to this. Uh, and there's no real right or wrong way to do it. There's no regulations against anything. So it's personal preference. Um, and, you know, in some aspects, single hooks are better than trebles and some they're not. And I just need more time and exper like experimentation to figure this all out. Now, um, the hooks that I've been using uh, and the ones that I found are the strongest hooks. Now, these are breaking your bank for sure. These are expensive hooks. They're way too expensive. But if you really want to hook into a big fish and you're in really, really heavy structure and you want to fight it with the heaviest drag you can and not worry about your gear breaking you uh, or failing on you, you need to use the, the best hooks you can get. And uh, I, I'm fortunate enough that I can get to use these, but uh, it's, I mean, they're going to break the bank. So I'm using owner treble hooks. Um, these are the ST-76TN5X strong hooks size three um i think i'm almost 100 percent sure that these are the same size the size three are the ones that i have on the magnum walker and it's not taking the action out of it the thing that you can do though is uh you can weigh the hooks um with the split rings and if they weigh the same they're going to be perfectly fine in the plug that's how i mess around with singles inline singles i'm also using owner stinger hooks and these are sj four one stinger hooks um and these are the size nine um hooks and these are also owner um and they those are the ones that i'm using on the magnum too uh i am gonna try putting these on the pencil but i'm gonna get to that in a second i'm literally gonna go to the tackle store today and put them on the uh pencil but i'm gonna get to that in a second those are the hooks that i'm using right now on my plugs uh you can look them up they're really strong. They won't bend uh, if you're really fighting fish hard, which I do with the gear that I have. Um, you kind of need to. Uh, but you heard, you know, that I'm fishing in deep water. And when I'm fishing in super deep water, I'm not stressed out about having super heavy drag. But as soon as I bring in the pencil popper into the equation, I'm going to be fishing in a lot shallower water and I'm going to end up being in a lot more sketchy scenarios. Now, this is not saying that you can't hook a... Um, really big fish on a pencil in deep open water with one giant submerged boulder on. And to me, one giant submerged boulder is a very hard thing for a bass to kind of get you around because that means it has to get you around a whole lot uh, to really break you off. And a big fish with a, with a medium amount of drag is not going to get you around. Like it will run, but it's not going to like really go too hard. Um, and I've caught some really big fish and I've had them pull 35 to 50 yards of drag sometimes. And uh, especially that 40 pounder did. And I just stuck with them. I let them take the drag and then I reeled them in. And uh, that fish didn't get me around anything because he was in open water. I was able to keep him up. I knew that he was only running out. He wasn't running down. And that's really hard for a fish to run down when they're hooked 
and you're fighting them by pulling them up. Uh, they can, they'll get down a little bit, but they're not going to get like 10 feet down where they need you to really break you off. Now, this is a whole other story when it comes to fishing in shallower structure. And I've had a lot of horror stories this season where I broke off on many large fish in shallow boulder fields. Uh, it happens. Um, it's part of the game. It's part of what fuels my drive to catch these fish is because it's not a sure thing anymore. You know, when you get to a certain size bass, it's never a sure thing that you're going to hook into that fish. And if you think about it, you only get a handful of those opportunities a year and you don't want to blow any of them. And I blew a bunch of them this season just because I've been kept hooking into more fish. So last year, I think I only lost two fish out of the entire season. Uh, and that is ridiculous. That's like, that's like on another level of like being good with like hooking into these fish. Now that was because, I mean, I, I landed a ton now. I couldn't even count how many bass over 40 inches I caught last year. But, um, but the crazy thing is, uh, like I only lost one fish <laughs> and I've lost so many more fish this season and that's because I probably doubled the amount of big fish that I've hooked this season uh, which is even more extraordinary uh, and that's just and most of that's during the day uh, I there's a been a pretty good stretch in which I'd say it's probably been about two months where almost every single day I'm hooking into a 40 inch bass um, 40 plus inch bass. So that just shows you like, and sometimes it's like plus two and other days I don't catch anything. It's like, it's, you know, obviously it's dependent on weather and tide and moons and whatever. But, uh, even the in between moon phases, if I'm getting good flat, greasy, calm conditions at sunrise or sunset, and it, and if it's not greasy, calm conditions and I get a little bit of wind blowing on shore, I can go out there 12 noon and catch fish, which is what I did on the pencil. Um, but okay, I guess I'll get into the pencil right now. So I talked a little bit about the spooks. I talked a little bit how I'm working the spooks. So you can kind of keep that in mind. Uh, you, you gotta learn how to work spook and you can go on my YouTube channel and dig around, uh, on, under the quick tips, under the quick tips. Cause I do have a quick tip on how to work a spook. Uh, it's actually the Walker. Um, so you can, you'll be able, you'll be able to see how I work the spooks and, um, yeah, that's how I, you know, generally just get them to work back and forth. Now, if you can do that and speed it up and slow it down, that's how you're going to get those different variations of, you know, moods of the fish. If they're being like lazy fish, you want to go slower. And if they're being super aggressive, sometimes they won't hit, you know, just back and forth, you know, medium speed to it, uh, which is what I always start with. Because even if they're lazier or even if they're more aggressive, you'll get that in between with the in between, obviously. So, uh... Yeah. Okay. So we're getting into the next thing. Um, I do have the line. I, I want to go through the whole setup that I'm using here. Uh, line, you know, all the way down to the rod, reel, line, swivel, TA clip, like all of that stuff I'm going to talk about here. Um, but we'll go into the pencil first. So I've been using, um, the small Pumba pencil. Now the small Pumba pencil is very interesting because this is the generation one of the small Pumba pencil. So now when we were designing this, me and Joe were designing this plug. Um, it came off of the Tinker. So he had a plug that had no belly hook and only a single uh, treble, which I don't like personally, because I think most of the time the bass are gonna T-bone the plug and eat it that way. Uh, and if you only have one, one treble hook on the back, you kind of lose that, you know, center of mass hit from the fish you're only banking on the fish sucking it in from behind which they do and i've seen happen but um 
it's it was like I was not a huge fan of. So I, what I said to start it off, I was like, okay, what I would like to do is put a center hook on this plug um, and just see how it works. And uh, through a few generations of this, he made it a little bit thicker. He ended up making it a little bit different. Uh, and there's nothing bad about that plug. I've got many, 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 many bass up to 35 inches on that. But there's something about this tinker that turned into the small Pumba pencil that we're kind of redesigning, redesigning the small Pumba pencil around this just because it's a thinner pencil. It's a little bit lighter. So the big Pumba pencil, or the big, no, the small Pumba pencil as it stands is 2.3 ounces. This is 1.9 ounces. Uh, it's um, like a centimeter longer than, uh, they're about the same actually. That's a lie. So it's not a centimeter longer, but it, they're both like six inches. And, uh, but this throws more water. So what I'm talking about is when you're working the plug, it goes like that and it goes like that. And when it does that, it sprays water on both sides and spraying that water when it's going like this is important. The other Puma pencil is a little bit higher, rides a little bit lower. It does more of that deeper in the water. And what happens is with that is it still works, casts further and heavier winds. There's advantages to that for sure. And that's not, that's not degrading that plug as it is. It just is not as big of a big fish plug as this one is. And that's why I want to switch the small Puma pencil and this will happen in time. Uh, I think we're gonna end up going with this being the small Pumba pencil just because it catches bigger fish, or we might design something in between both. Uh, we're not entirely sure yet, but I'm just giving you a sneak peek, sneak peek and kind of the evolution of why this is such a good plug. Now, this is the only one I, I think probably the only one ever made of this plug. And it rides in a certain way and it throws water in a certain way and it has a certain noise when it's flat calm that just gets these big fish to launch out of the water behind these things. And I've hooked many, many big fish. I think I've hooked four over 40 inches on this, a few 45s, all on this one plug. And I haven't lost it yet and I probably will, but um, I came really close the other day. And I don't know if you've been really fishing on Cape Ann very much uh, or really around Cape Ann, but there's a giant like tropical storm that moved through and it just, the waves are out of this world. Um, and I'll get into some crazy stories after this about that. But um, it's like they're huge waves. It's almost unfishable, the amount of white water in certain areas. But I have one spot that's been producing and I, it produces during these hurricanes. And um, it just, there's so much white water in this area and there wasn't a lot of green water, but it, I could get it into a zone where there was. Now, it's fairly shallow there, but there was, but these waves are crashing. Now, if you think about these huge sets of waves were crashing in and then when it would be calm for a moment, that's when you could get your pencil out there in between those waves and you could work it and shred up the surface. Now, this tiny six inch pencil in the vast giant loud ocean at this time with the chop and the wind and everything had a mid 40 inch bass go airborne on this. Literally jumped out of the water. And I see this fish, hide and get a hit all day. And I kid you not, it was a good 44 inches, you know, big fish jump airborne out of the water. Now there's another big wave coming. And then as this big wave comes, you know, I'm still working. I was airborne under the water and there's a big wave behind it. And then the plug just goes, poof, disappears. Now I see that happening. It disappears in some way. And I think he just slurped the, the tail of it. And uh, this fish takes off into a ridiculous run. 
starts screaming drag, the wave crashes onto my line, bows my line a little bit under the, the weight of that wave, and then that snap back pops the hook out of its face. So I lost that fish. But what also happened in that time that it was screaming out line, I felt it against a rock. Now, um, who knows what would have happened if I didn't have that wave pop my, my stuff off. But I whatever, whatever happened between that wave and the rock, it gave enough slack for that fish to shake the hook. Now, what the, the, the takeaway from this is, um, it was windy. It was really windy. It was really choppy. And there was a bunch of big waves. Now, in that, all that entire time period, this tiny little six inch pencil was able to get shred, shred the water up enough to get that fish to see it. And now I'm probably fishing five, eight feet of water there, that a fishable the fish sitting in that fish is sitting in five, eight feet of water into these very seaweedy like mats that are like seaweed and muscle barnacle, like gnarly stuff and, um, snaps your line like that. If you get to it, um, so you're pretty much hopeless if the bass can get you down there. Now, I hooked in that fish. I didn't have the drag on tight. Like I, I had it set to what I would be fishing in those deep boulder fields. So I was like, okay, it's enough that it maintains direct, like pressure to this fish. And uh, this is not an insignificant amount of pressure. It's a good amount of pressure, but uh, it's it's not, it, it, it just, I didn't want to bend these hooks. So these are uh, probably, I'm the Forex strong size two VMCs or something like that, I would assume. And I, this scares me now for what I was fishing. This really scares me hooking 45 inch bass or 44. I don't know. It was a big fit a mid 40 incher. It wasn't like a Goliath, but it was giant. It was a big fish. And if I put too much pressure on this hook, if it was hooked by one of the trebles, I don't know which one it was hooked by, but if it was, it would have bent the straight like that, especially a hook of this size and especially on a fish at that size. So, um, I need to switch up and I am gonna put owners on this, but I might end up having, I don't even know if they create a small enough hook that will work on this plug, uh, but we'll find out shortly. Um, and that's that's the problem that we're, we're dealing with here. Okay, so we're fishing in the rocks and we have to stop these monster fish before they get you into these rocks, which are at most you're fishing in a 10, 15 foot gap from the top of these boulders to where these bass are gonna be eating your plugs. And on the low end, you're fishing in four feet of water, three feet of water, you know, big fish just cruising these shallows and that's where they're going to come up, hit you and get you right into a rock instantly. Now that's a very difficult scenario to fish, but you can do it if you have the heavy enough gear. Uh, and I, the reason I was fishing in that zone is because the place that I was wanting to fish, um, I couldn't catch a fish out of because there's too much white water and that place where I hooked that big fish, um, everything was kind of dumping out into and uh i it was shallower and i was like yeah this i don't trust this gear in here but i'm gonna do it anyway and hopefully i can get that fish out of the zone now i couldn't i don't know what would have happened i do think i would have been able to get that fish out of it it was almost at the end of its first run it kind of got me into a rock a little bit and i was it was a heavy fish and i was pulling on him good amount but the, it gave enough slack that it popped it and um, that happens unfortunately it's part of the game uh, but what I really hate is when there's so much bow in your line which is what happens when there's that much current and that much white water and waves that you can't maintain enough pressure and I had that happen last night on a darter uh, I hooked an absolute behemoth probably well into 40 pounds um, and it it uh, got same thing wave hit it there's enough bow in the line and it 
pop my hook on me. And that's why I'm also gonna be switching to the owner hooks on that as well. And that's just all because I think the owners are gonna have bigger barbs. The way the hooks are shaped, they, they hold fish better um, and yeah. But the even crazier thing is um, I broke off multiple times last night and I just, I need my gears heavy, but and then I ended up having to bump it up even more, which is just ridiculous. Okay, but back to like pencils. Um, you can fish pencils in many different ways. I hooked another, I hooked a 43 in fairly deep flat calm water the other day uh, where the bass were being finicky and I was just shredding this on the surface. It was right at the beginning of my cast, you know, just and the, the, you know, it's throwing a lot of water and it looks great on the surface and then all of a sudden, boom, fish four, like literally 43 inch bass, T-bones the plug, jumps four feet in the air, lands in the water, boom, I'm into him. And that one was hooked by both hooks, literally ate the plug long ways and was hooked by both hooks. The whole mouth was hooked by the hooks. And that's like best case scenario when you can do, when you can hook a fish like that. But, um, and he didn't really fight very hard. I was able to get that guy in, that was no problem. Uh, and that was just a fun fish. And that's like, that's the goal. You wanna have fun with these fish and you, you don't wanna be like trying to like kill them or kill, kill that you don't want them to kill you by trying to get them out of these structure you know out of this crazy structure so you kind of have to play your gear to that and now i'm going to go into really the gear that i'm using or the rods that i'm using rod reel line uh and this will make slightly more sense to you guys at this point now as far as uh my go-to daytime setup um just because it's big enough that it's gonna hold these fish back and it's also light enough that you can still have fun and work some of the smaller pencils. Because if you go with too big of a reel, I have a much harder time working a small pencil on a big reel. And that's where things get tricky. But my go-to setup here is um, a Lamaglass GSB, uh, three, 10 foot, three to seven ounce. Let's see if where's the stuff here. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, three, 10 foot, three to seven ounce, uh, Lamaglass GSB. So it's the, the, the blank model is the GSB uh, 1201M uh, SROS, yeah, whatever. So it's the, it's the that's the model of the, the GSB lamp glass rod that I've been using. Um, I have it on a VSX 200 Van Stahl spooled with 50 pound Power Pro uh, Max Quattro line um, to a, uh, what is this? Is it, uh, this is a, uh, this is the, uh, I know it's the cigar, but this is like a, a green, maybe it's the green label cigar or whatever. I'm just trying to see what the, the actual name for this is or fluorocarbon, whatever you want to call it. Um, smaller diameter, low strength. So pretty much like I'm using, what is the name of this though? There's gotta be a specific name. Am I just, I'm probably, uh, probably not seeing the name uh it's fluoro premier line so this is i guess the other one that i used to i use a lot of the blue label but i've been using the fluoro premier uh uh cigar blue la or green label cigar i guess or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and this is 60 pounds so i'm that's like as low as i'm going right now 60 pound uh line um it's stronger you know it's lower thinner diameter um and really it's just a little bit stronger of a line and i don't have a huge uh leader on that but it's not going to save you 
Uh, if you if you get brought into a rock, it's gonna break you off pretty quick. This is really just primarily for that initial hit and shock absorb absorbent of that first big hit of a big fish. Um, and it does what it does pretty well and it doesn't break on me. And that's the thing, like, I think that the, like a 50 pound fluorocarbon leader would break um, before my 50 pound braid would break. So that's why I'm bumping up to 60. And it does have that slight, like slightly more abrasion resistance, but uh, barely. <laughs> and um, I have that uh, attached to a Spro Pro Swivel, um, attached to a, uh, tactical anglers clip. Um, and I have, I'm tying the improved clench knot, uh, for the fluorocarbon and the polymer knot for the braided line. Uh, and this is the setup I'm running right here. Now, if I'm going to just, let's just see what drag I'm going to run on this. So I don't know what I'm set at right here. Not a lot. Um, let's just tighten that up probably one to click one or two clicks more than this would be what I'm going to be fishing if I'm fishing in a boulder in like deep water so probably I don't know yeah I'm fishing like that which is I don't know exactly do I have my measuring thing here I might have it oh I do I can tell you the exact drag pressure I'm fishing right now literally I can it's right here okay so this is like me fishing in deep boulder fields. So the whole goal of this drag right here in this drag setting is to, um, is to maintain pressure to a fish. That's the entire point of this heavy drag or of drag being this heavy. So if that makes any sense to you, um, how are we gonna do this? Hopefully this doesn't screw my line up too bad. I could probably wrap it like that maybe. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to see how, what the best way to do this would be. Um, hmm. Game time decision here, right? Okay. Um, maybe if I just loop this around like this. Okay. We're struggling here, but it's okay. This is, you get to see the raw, the rawest of things right here. I just want this to be primarily on that. Maybe I need to just attach it to that. Okay, yeah, yeah, this is how we're gonna do this. Okay, I figured it out. I just don't have anything, I do have actually. I lied, I have something that I can cut it with. Okay, we're in business. We're in business here. I just don't wanna to waste too much of my line. Okay, let's cut it this. I didn't know I was gonna do this on the video, but now that I'm talking about it, it's probably good for you guys to understand exactly how heavy my drag is set for different scenarios. Um, and especially for topwater fishing, because some there's different schools of thought, like you need your drag to be light, so when that fish initially grabs the plug, you don't yank it out of, out of its mouth. Two, uh, you want your drag to be uh, super tight so that when the fish eats, it stays pinned, gets hooked on the, it hooks, it hook sets itself on the heat. Um, yeah, you know what, maybe I'd go a little bit lighter than that. That's a little bit egregiously heavy. Let's see what we got here. Yeah, like that's exactly what I would have it. Like if I was to say, okay, I'm fishing in a deep boulder field with my 50 to 50 set up here and I wanna keep it pinned. 
you know, not pinned as in like the drag pin, but pinned as in like the fish not coming unhooked. Uh, this is the drag that I'm going to have on this fish. Um, let's see what we got here. Tie it up. I don't know. Just do a few overhand knots. Hopefully that will hold enough. Um, and this is kind of interesting because I feel I've done this once before in the winter time just to see what max drag on on the van stall is. And what I've been doing a lot about a lot of this year is I'm fishing such heavy gear that I don't want to uh, I don't want to um to break my my hooks or my leader or anything so what i'll do is i'll initially hook into that fish and weather that first initial burst of energy for a little bit and then i'm going to loosen up and let it waste some energy once i get out of the danger zone okay so turn this on zero it out okay zero it out so i have four pounds of drag on on this is that right Yeah, so I have four pounds of drag, 4.8, I think is what it said, 4.8 pounds of drag set for my fighting in a, off of a boulder field. And that right there, yeah, 4.2, will hold, uh, will keep a fish pinned, more or less. That's not a lot of drag, like, compared to what I, I'm talking about, this is me having fun with a big fish. Now, I will tighten that up a little bit if it starts to scare me. Now, um, if, so, okay, say that this fish is huge and it's starting to get me lower. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tighten it a crank and a half, probably. So this is my crank and a half of drag. Let me just feel what this is, because I, I want this to be raw. Yeah, I'd actually go a little bit tighter than that. Like, if I was a little bit, if I was starting to get a little spooked by how hard, yeah, okay, there we go. This is me being, starting to get a little bit spooked about how hard this fish is pulling and, or it's getting me into the danger zone. Okay, let's just zero this thing out again. Okay, that's it. That was, seven, I, that was like 7.8, so I'll do that one more time. So 7.8 pounds of drag is this in pounds? Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, it's in pounds. Um, so 7.8 pounds a drag is what I'm gonna be fishing if I start to get spooked a little bit and I'm wanting to like, okay, I wanna tire this fish out a little bit more because he's starting to get me into a zone where I'm getting a little bit spooked. <laughs> now, now we're gonna go fishing into a boulder field. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm pencil popping. The, the fish are, you know, they're in a, in a bad zone and I'm pencil popping. This is my striking drag to the fish that I need to turn the bass before it gets me into a nasty zone. Okay, let's see what it, see what this is at. Oop, the knot pulled. The knot pulled on that. Let's try that again. Um, yeah, I just literally just tied a few overhand knots, so it wasn't like I was doing anything crazy. Yeah, hold on, let me just get this down again. Yeah, so that just shows you. I it's actually less than I thought it was, but uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy because I do fish a lot of locked down drag, but that shows you that when I had I hooked a forty pounder um, on an eel earlier in the year, and this was a big fish. It was forty eight inches. 
um, and it was in a tight boulder field. So I had my drag locked on my VSX 275, which was like 25 pounds of drag or something crazy like that. Um, and uh, that was it really turning and running as hard as it could with locked drag and almost pulling me in the water, that type of thing, uh, which is pretty crazy. All right, let's run this down again. Come on. Oi. Sick. All right, let's do this again. Okay, zeroing it out, zeroed out, okay, sick. All right, so this is me striking drag in a boulder field. So that was around 13.8 pounds of striking drag in a boulder field. And the reason I have that as how heavy it is, which is not ridiculous, but it's, 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 the, it's up there. It's starting to get up there. And the reason I have that for what it is, is because um, that is not ridiculous amount of drag, but what it's going to do is it's going to keep that fish out of the boulder fields and it's not going to be maxing out my hooks and it's also not going to be maxing out my leader. Now this is like legitimately, this is as heavy as I would feel comfortable on um, VMC 4X strong hooks. Now I'll show you what the drag was that I had when I bent out 6X strong hooks on this, this, this uh, bass. Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was a big fish. So this is what I had it set at. And this would also be my scared, like bass is getting me, is gonna get me into a boulder type setting for drag. And maybe even my eel striking drag. Ooh, yeah. Oh, the line broke. So there you go. <laughs> Too heavy. <laughs> that's how heavy that is. Um, anyway, but um, that's me scared trying to stop a fish. Now it's gonna be a slower incremental uh, hit into it. And uh, I'm glad that we tested this out because if I did that on a fish, which I could very easily do, <laughs> that would have been so sad. Um, if I hooked a fish like that um, and it broke me off. So this was a good thing to do. Check my line, check your knots, make sure it doesn't break you. But there you go. So, and I'm sure that was probably around 20. That's almost, that's almost locked. So I think the lock drag on this is like on the v VSX 200 is like 20 pounds is what I got. I got a read of. So, um, yeah. So there you go. That's what I'm going to be setting up. Um, if I'm going to be fishing, uh, man, I'm like whacking everything here. Uh, is what I'm going to be. Those are the drag settings I'm going to have for big fish, whether I'm fishing with spook, whether I'm fishing with my, uh, pencil, that's what I want for my drag. Um, and it's so important to have heavy drag on a big fish. It's just, it just is, uh, if they're in shorts, if they're in a, like four or five feet of water, six feet of water, you need that heavy drag to get them up. Uh, and what we said that was 13.8. So almost 14 pounds of drag. Um, and that's like, that's like, um, that's pretty much perfect, uh, for like, uh, me not breaking my gear. Like, I don't think my line would break. Don't think my, uh, leader would break. Uh, that's when I would start to get sketched out about my hooks starting to bend. And I will fish that drag as for as least amount of time as I can. Um, like if I hook into the fish and it takes off on a screaming run and then it slows down and I'm starting to turn it, I'm loosening my drag. 
That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to loosen my drag up. And you'll see it in almost every single one of the Stripe Bass Hunt shows where I'm eeling. I have my striking drag, which is going to be almost maxed out Van Stahl on either the, the, um, on either the 275 or the 200. And every single time I'm going to loosen up a few clicks because that's my initial striking drag. That's the drag I'm going to use to make sure that hook gets pinned into the fish. And that's also the drag that I'm going to use, uh, to stop a bass if it gets me in a sketchy area right off the bat. Uh, Cause then I can turn them and get them away from that a little bit. Then I'm gonna loosen up and let him get his energy out. And then I'm gonna bring him in and I'm gonna land him. Cause yesterday I did a fatal flaw and I tried to land a bass too fast. Hooked him first cast, wasn't expecting it. Fought the fish, probably 44, 45 and incher. So big bass and I get him up. I'm trying to pull him over this boulder and it the wave sucks him back out, snaps my line. Um, that's like part of the game. That's what happens. You snap your line if you're an idiot and I was an idiot and I snapped my line. Um, I feel like the smarter you get in fishing, the smarter you get in fishing. And also there are moments where you're an idiot. And that was one of the moments where I was an idiot and I didn't, uh, I didn't do what I should have done. And I knew as soon as I did it, I was like, why did I do that? Because I was rushing and being careless. And, uh, it's, that's the thing. Like you can rush and be careless. And then you can rush and be careless and be confident that you're going to land a fish, uh, which sometimes actually helps you in the long run. But uh, because then you're just not as, um, you won't make as many like rushed mis or like uh, nervous mistakes as you will if you were nervous to land that fish. Uh, but it, you also will make, if you're too confident and too cocky about it, you will end up losing the fish most of the time. And I think I hit that point where I got a little bit too confident trying to land that fish. And you can see the, the next two fish that I hooked in that episode or I hooked in that day um, that I landed, I really babied them in. I let them take their time, calm themselves down. And then I, uh, I proceeded to land that fish after it was tired and not in, because what happened was that fish turned on the rock and started swimming out with the wave and it snapped me, which you can't have to do. So, the fact that my line just snapped like that <laughs> makes me want to get new line on this reel. Uh, I need to spool up some reels for sure. Uh, for what I do and the amount of big fish that I catch, you probably need to spool your reel twice a season. That's another thing you should probably think about. If you fish every single day for the entirety of the season, like I do, and I fish every single day and three times a day, but I don't fish every reel every day or like three times a day, I guess. So like, I'll probably, I mean, I fish this reel at least once to maybe even three times a day, but most of the time, at least once a day, I'll fish that reel. And this line is in and out of the guides, you know, often, you know, hits a, every once in a while, it bounces off a rock and you snap it. This is also starting to get a little frayed. So when your line starts to get fuzzy like this, which I can see fuzzy even all the way down here, which is sketch, um, you want to cut your line. Um, that's a big no, no. Um, and I'm going to legitimately, I got to go to the tackle store after this regardless. So I need to, um, get three reels spooled up with line, which is always a sad day. Cause that's so expensive. Um, anyway, so I think that we really covered as much of, uh, topwater fishing as a topic that I feel like I should have. Um, if I missed anything, I you guys just leave comments below if you have any more questions i'll either feature them in other podcasts or our future podcast or i will uh um 
yeah, or I'll answer them right there if it's just an easy, easy answer. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning into this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it uh, and I'll see you next time.